Is it recording on your screen? Yeah. It says recording? Yeah. I'm nervous. I know, now. you're done, <laughs> You're done, Okay, wait. Okay, just sit right here. No, I'll be right. Just say hello to her. Oh my God. <laughs> hello. Hey, Sophie, how are you? I'm pretty good, Joe. How are you? It's good to see you. Good to be seen. We're talking about the West today. Oh my God. We're talking about how I upset white people today white uh, men here let me undo my no i said I'm, i just upset like a lot of white people um nice everybody has to have a hobby and i'm <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to make this mine i've got a whole fucking phd of like the australian identity sitting in me i'm about to let it loose on the internet i think i really i was telling joe about one second let me unblur my background okay there we go there he is so you He's can actually focus. see his face come on <laughs> sit with us you don't have to say anything great all right. Welcome to Artless Podcast, where we make art accessible. I'm Seema. And I'm Sophie. And we have a token white guy today. Oh, we do. Oh, my God. This hey. is so funny. Wait, I got set up. <laughs> <laughs> Say your name. Say my name? Yes. Joe. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, Joe. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, you, dear listener, please rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we also have a Patreon uh, for a dollar a month, you can go into our monthly raffle to have a studio visit with us, which we are doing our very first very soon. I love talking about art. I'm so excited. It's it's what we do best. Uh, where we'll talk to you about your art, give you feedback and some references to explore. That's right. And if you use that Patreon, we can continue to make more of these shows. So I've heard yes. a lot of you. I've been doing lives. We've <laughs> been, you know, telling them link in bio, go mm -hmm. see things. But it's really what supports us. We would love to do this every week. We, it might be surprising to you, but can talk forever. But it <laughs> I is. I don't think anyone is surprised by that. <laughs> but it's the editing. It's the yes. technology, like our website yes. and our Zoom. You understand. You all live in the same world as us. Yes, so. and I'll, I'll be real with every single one of you. I would love less computer time. <laughs> We'd That's like it. to pay someone to do our <laughs> editing. You'd One love day. to nod. You finally hit the limit of listening to your voice. Mm -hmm. um, but look, I'm I glad know, to. I... No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, oh, what shit. art did you see this week? This week I have uh, been looking at, is it Horst? Like Hurst, P. Hurst? Yeah, I don't know how to say that. He's There's so German. many artists that I've never heard. I've never heard anybody say it. Yeah, I know. That's always the. I know. Horst. Horse? Yeah, how would a it. German say it? I don't you know. You know what? If a German wants to contact us by email, mm -hmm. our email is artlesspodcast, and you could also sign up for a Patreon then, but yes. tell us how to say it for real. <laughs> yes. Um, so I've been I've been looking at some of his photography from with all the like anthurium, like red mm -hmm. kind of little yeah. plants. Yeah. Uh, and all the all the hands, because I have all these these hands. So gotta do something else with the props I made. <laughs> I have um, like a, a zine p page over here that has hands on it. And somebody in my live was like, oh, my God, you remind me of Sophie's hands on her wall. Oh and God. I was like, it's like we're re referencing each other now. Um, the it's art a, it's only going to get it's only going to get worse. As we I hope so. Better. Content. You mean better. Yes. Um, the, the <laughs> art that I saw this week was by one of our previous host people co-hosts mm. with us, speakers, guests, yes. Frank Aridi. Um, and I thought, you know what, it's it's a great one because Frank Aridi is a realist and we've done shows about realism. And mm -hmm. it, there were two that I'll put up a video on my channel, but there were two that um, are sneakers. And or tennis shoes or um, tennis or kicks or whatever you want to call them. But yeah, and shoes if you're detailed. from Australia. Oh, is that what you call them? <laughs> uh, it's it's I believe it's regional yeah. uh, changes from state to state. I grew uh, up with tennis, tennis shoes. Hmm. We, no, I was called I think, tennis shoes. I, I think it's very much a Queensland thing to call what did them you grow sand up shoes. Sneakers. <laughs> oh, apparently on the East Coast, they called it sneakers, but we mm. called it tennis shoes anyway. Um, look at the West diversifying itself. I know. Look at us. Oh, we're getting there. Look at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I love that. I love there. the segue. Oh, so Frank Aridi, um, is it's amazing. It was an amazing, mm. the, the pair of them were so well done. And I love his work and what it means mm -hmm. um, or what I perceive it to Can mean. Can you give us a recap on 
he was really interested in, he grew up in a part of, we both grew up in Cleveland, but in very different Clevelands. He mm -hmm. grew up in a part of Cleveland that was um, some of the most conservative, some of the whitest, um, and some of the most working uh, working class, blue collar. It was uh, right mm -hmm. near one of the big Ford auto plants. So a lot of people mm -hmm. worked there. And I grew up in on the east side, which was very diverse, um, very upper middle class, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he saw that um, the Cleveland Museum of Art, where he and I both grew up going to, um, drew a lot more people. A lot of the art was about people who were wealthy. And so he mm -hmm. wanted to create these really realistic portraits of the people in his lives. And so he has mm -hmm. all these amazing images of people. And you know, you they're they're beautifully done and rendered in very high realism. Um, and so these tennis shoes, one of the things I think we're talking about, um, the topic this week is the West. And one of the things I love <laughs> about the tennis shoes is that there there's something very interesting about how Nike is a global symbol. And so mm, these shoes, mm -hmm. like tennis shoes, are such a global symbol. And even though every culture wears them, I think most people who wear tennis shoes, if you said, where did tennis shoes come from? Mm. Like anywhere in the world, I think they yeah. might say Nike US. Yeah. And it is like, it is a good emblem of this idea, this concept of the West. It's hard. It's a slippery concept. It's a painful concept. But at the same time, it's something that like we know it, even if we yeah. don't want to admit it, right? Like everybody knows tennis shoes come from somewhere. Totally. And I think most people would say the U.S. Mm -hmm. For anyone wondering why we sound so succinct in our thoughts today and why we're so clear with our segues, it's because I fucked up <laughs> and we lost we lost our recording from this morning. I, but this I is really a better one. I feel like we should have a swear jar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, but that, they don't should. Count. They and don't it would count be kind of like, you know, like Jerry's kids, like a telephone, but it would be like a swear jar. <laughs> So, um... <laughs> or they could, it could be the opposite. Could be a, like a drinking it or, for the listeners. Or, or it could be mm. like a foster, no, that's way more fun. Foster loggers can cut out. Uh, <laughs> do Australians really drink fosters? Or is that just you? Like you know, I feel like that's a public exported. image of Australia. Yeah, like is it like, like bud? Uh, yeah, kind of. But here, people really drink bud. Mm. People like really order and drink bud. I think it well it really depends on state I think because yeah. each state has their own kind of like beer culture in some ways as well like Melbourne has real like artisanal mm. you know brewery small brewery yeah it's the exactly, Brooklyn exactly the exactly Brooklyn. exactly um, uh, <laughs> so speaking oh. of these Australian states mm -hmm. I wonder how many of these states you pissed off this week on TikTok well considering <laughs> So considering our it re it's reached like 60,000 views, I'd say at least like 10,000 people per state. Uh, we only have six of them. Which is the least populous state? Oh. Tasmania? Just by size? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so only a few people on that poor island. Don't say that. I'll get angry. Tasmania is great. <laughs> it does look beautiful. It's one of the places I'd love to go. Poor island. Uh-oh. That <laughs> really fancy island, I mean. Statement, gang. <laughs> I will say that I did a report in fourth grade on Tasmania, and it oh, is really, really it, it, it outstrips some of the other islands in many natural resources. It seems mm -hmm. very beautiful. It's also more it verdant than some of the other islands. It also has a very uh, fancy contemporary art gallery or just like art gallery Ooh. compared to other states. Fancy confused, yes. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that another time. Let's mm -hmm. piss off Australians next time. <sighs> World-class gambling. <laughs> Woo! Let's do that um, another time. Okay, so, so how did, how I did I you piss off, off all these that? Australians? So I also something... say very publicly, you are Australian. Oh, I know. Your own people. I know, but I've been waiting to do it for a while. I'm not going to lie. Well, because like I'm an Australian who gets on the internet and says like, full like stuff with my full chest about america and i've been waiting yeah. for the day that someone is kind of like why don't you critique your own country so i'm just kind of like all right well i'm coming in strong so <laughs> so a lot of like what came out in that like because it was also the first time i've posted an off-the-cuff video of me talking about like very large nebulous concepts um and it, it was one of those things where I was like, as it went out, I was like, oh, no, it probably won't go that far. Probably, it, it probably won't go that far. Go to like a thousand people, maybe like 5% of my, no, as soon as, like within, 
within maybe five, 10 minutes, I was like, oh shit, it's gonna go off. Um, Cause I realized I had struck a nerve. You said, <laughs> I, and I'm gonna summarize this because I think it's important. I think the concept is so important and I had never thought about this. So I, I think I wanna get to the meat of the video and then we can talk about the The meat of my point is really good. Just what so, I said in the first 30 seconds made people get distracted. That's right, they got lost. They got lost <laughs> as they do so often on TikTok. I know. So I think the meat of it is really important, right? That I, you know, we were talking about, we have talked previously about mm -hmm. Australia and mm -hmm. one of the things that I think I'm stunned by is, and I need you to say this aloud, when did slavery end in Australia? Around 1970, I believe. And it was until, it was, it was also in 1970 that uh, First Nations Australians, Indigenous Australians were classified as flora and fauna. So absolutely zero human rights at all uh, for the majority of like what we know as quote unquote history, which for a lot of people kind of feels like the last 150 years, you so know, 200 years. That's crazy. 50 years ago. I know. Ish. But also, let's be real, that, it also hasn't insane. really ended in some yes. ways. Uh, no, both I think in that Australia that's and here on yeah. US yeah. soil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, but I think that the, the, the thing that I remember about like learning about the reconstruction in the U.S. and like mm -hmm. the Jim Crow laws and, you know, I mean, I think in the U.S. it's not like we're so much better. You know, think about mm. like, um, you know, the idea that plenty of people were not allowed to vote and still we have major voting rights issues, which mm -hmm. is a right of citizenship that not everyone in the U.S. gets yeah. uniformly, for example, felons. Mm -hmm. um, but so your your point was that the Australia before 1970 50s, is the 60s. Australia that Rupert Murdoch was raised in. Yes. And it was an Australia that had this perception of a white group having certain privileges. Mm -hmm. So that when he exported that on his channels, he's exporting a past. It would basically yeah. be like Fox News's concept of masculinity and whiteness is from... 1843 in the US. Yeah. And so what he is able to do is draw people back to a past that does not exist, mm -hmm. but it became. But also is kind of like the white ideal, right? And the ideal that was sold right. to people in England. And you can see this through the photography of Max Dupain, um, mm. which is because he was around during the 30s and 40s, right? Photographing mm. like English people on the Australian beach. And it was this idea that you would leave cold dreary england or wherever you came from and you could get fit by being outside by being mm. like on the land by mm. surfing by having like you know mm. this ideal life like white lifestyle right where you go somewhere and oh it's the perfect lifestyle i'm on the beach right 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 so yeah. so the so i think that the thing that your rupert murdoch uh assertion observation the ner it stuck two nerves right yeah one of them it was a double is, whammy seamer i don't think I've it was a double whammy quickly. so <laughs> it's impressive i mean i i like to do it at least weekly but <laughs> i'm an overachiever and Look, um, you, but you're so, so rehearsed at it I'm, I'm like i'm learning from you you know <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm just. I really feel somebody was saying to me she feels really badly because people are commenting and she's not able to keep up with the comments. And I was mm. like, keep up with the comments? I don't even read them half the time. Oh, I know, right? Because um, you get inundated so, really um, fast. I, yes, I usually wild. like by ten thousand, it's over. Um, <laughs> today I was just saying to my husband, I had a, I have like two sweaters on, and I had two sweaters mm. on in this video, and the guy was like, "You just look so thin. You need to eat." <laughs> I was like, he was really scraping the barrel. He was scraping insults. the barrel. He was scraping oh. the barrel. But um, neither here nor there in terms of the West. What are the, like, so one major issue that we hit, you hit, um, mm -hmm. and that I will hit when I do the follow-up, um, <laughs> is this just idea that humanity, um, the when you, like you say some big force, right? A macro force, which is what mm. you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. You were talking about race relations and how it created this macro force across the world through Fox News, right? That That is a macro force. So I think that one of the things that really struck me about yes. your comments is, but people were saying what I hear all the time, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you know, like if we said white men in America 
um, were given greater privileges mm. and those privileges still remain and... <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Oh, great <laughs> you've really enjoyed those yeah. but i mean <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> what? No, i just remember one time you said to me how, how do you how do you like your white privilege and i said i like it and you were like oh. and you walked off that's when in graduate school um, <laughs> something like that and it, that's so funny i understand that i was not being i was only flippant in the confines of our marriage um <laughs> you got to keep her on her toes <laughs> But I think for a lot of people who are not married to me and have to put up with this stuff all the time, yes. a lot of the men were very upset. Well, I think people get, it's okay to categorize other people. It's just hard when you are categorized, categorized Absolutely. Yourself. Absolutely. And I think, and I think, and is because it flattens out your own personal, you know, you, you feel, oh, I'm unique, or at least there are. Yeah, no, really. More to me than just um, my, you know, these certain um, characteristics. Mm -hmm. But your pretty eyes. Yes, but anyways, so <laughs> I have a sense that maybe uh, it's wrong to characterize everybody, um, at least based on simple mm. things like you know, like how you look. Yeah, uh, and I do think it's like, well, wait a minute, you know. Yeah, so that 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 human nature thing, I think, for a set of your comments, was probably very just human right um but i mean well also because it's it's kind of like a nerve with yeah like white australian culture right it's always been this kind of you know assertion of we're separate like we understand that we're different we've got our own thing going on but that's not reflected in government that's not reflected in policy that's not reflected in art yeah like yeah so the, the what is reflected is the bigger lot of <laughs> issues in your comments which was the idea of the West. So yes. tell us so, about what they said about that. So people, so I basically said the West, uh, and I suppose to infer meaning the global North, which also is a term that like, you know, is problematic. Um, yes. So, and what my point was, and what I was saying, and one of the things that I think is quite funny is that my commentary was about the people who were so isolated in their whiteness they can't see beyond like where they kind of, you know, are in white culture. So all the people who were like, you don't know what you're talking about, rah, 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 clearly were not the people I was supposed to, I was referencing. Um, so what I thought was kind of interesting was that my, my criticism was that there is a kind of whiteness that has functioned throughout Australia that was exported out of Australia that is so good at isolating itself from kind of its relationship to people of color. There are people in Australia who look like me, who do not understand how close they are to Papua New Guinea or Indonesia compared to somewhere like the US. Like there is yeah, a way that absolutely. whiteness functions where it strips people of their understanding of where they are geographically. And I've seen it. I grew up in Queensland, which for anyone who doesn't understand that in the US, it's on the east coast of Australia. It's one of the largest states in Australia. And the time that I was growing up there, it was lovingly referred to as the cultural back end of Australia because it just had basically no culture. So is it like our Midwest? Is it like our Midwest? I'm from the Great kind Lakes. Of, so I'm, I guess. Um... I would say that like where I come from is kind of almost comparable to Florida because oh, um, okay. it's it's also kind not of Miami, swampy. Though, right? It's not all about the United no. States, but it's useful to know. <laughs> no, but <laughs> a, a, lot of a frame of reference you. is helpful. <laughs> um, so I, I suppose like a lot of people, as they do, decide like we're like that's a cultural term, and I was like I'm I understand it's a cultural term. Like I am using it in like a off the cuff kind of like you know stream of consciousness way. And it upset a lot of people. So I think let's hold on the cultural term for a second. I want to, yeah. before we talk about the West and talk about art, yes. I think that, you know, one of the things to me that was so fascinating is looking at demographics in Australia versus mm -hmm. demographics mm -hmm. in the U.S. So the U.S.'s demographic from the last census is 59.5% white, but and something Australia like 75% white. Right. 
And, yeah. But uh, we have a different thing in the U.S., which is a 15, it would be something like 75% if we included Latinos. Yes. Right? So that's yes. a big chunk of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yours is now 59%. But I was looking up uh, the demographics from when um, Rupert Murdoch would have been raised. And if you look at the demographics in like 1947, uh, the overall European American, the European population would be 98%. There you go. With the Northern Territories being 59%. (laughs) Yes. See? Well, because let's not forget that a lot of early Australia, and this is what I think a lot of, is also what is left out of Australia's history and what we're taught. And this is what my sister spoke about as well in our last episode, is that Australia has seen extraordinary waves upon waves upon waves of immigration over the years. And Mm -hmm. there's a a very strong history of white Australia bringing many people from other cultures and surrounding countries into Australia in early years, which is why that demographic might be surprising to some people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of relatives who would have immigrated post 1947 mm-hmm. i mean much post 1947 mm-hmm. in the 70s or 80s but mm-hmm. um and i remember and i think that so this is though where i think the issue of the west and like global north one of the things for me is it is a tough concept it is a yeah, concept is. that is both geographic and conceptual yes because it, it started geographic and then morphed into something conceptual right and that's the problem right yeah. like so take a concept like impressionism mm-hmm. which started in france and then goes to england to the north it goes you know you have some people it goes to the america goes to so australia like exactly. it is every yeah it is everywhere. And as you said in the in our recording that does not exist from this morning. No, but I, I'm saying it again. The reason I I'm know, bringing I up know. Impressionism is because when you look at, and I've, I've looked at American Impressionism. I had worked with a collection mm-hmm. that had a lot of American Impressionists. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd work with visitors on, you know, French Impressionism, American Impressionism. And then mm-hmm. when I do um, classes, when I teach 101, I'd look at Australian Impressionism. And it would be hard, people would be hard pressed if it was not a famous impressionist painting to know which was which was which. No, it's However, true. It's true. When I showed them, we had an exhibition many years ago of Japanese prints. And when you look at, and, Jap- and we looked at Japanese watercolors at the time, which had a lot of elements of impressionism. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they combined it with Japanese, you know, cultural norms. So people could immediately tell. Mm-hmm. But when you would read scholars talking about those, they would say that the Japanese were derivative, whereas yeah. I've never heard anybody say that about American Impressionists or, or Australian Impressionists. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because white artists, European-based artists, and, you know, they get a different status in the art world. Well, I think also yeah. is that we often think of Western artists as individuals. We, we yes but right. it's also the emphasis of the individual in western yeah. culture where maybe in asian culture or the, like the japanese they may not have um except for a very few would have been known at least outside of japan mm. and so for and, westerners or historians it's a really hard norm yeah, but it, it's it, a proof yeah. that this is the right. west it's no just, it doesn't mean it's right but it also it, is proof that the west exists because yeah, if they were all judged equally then the west would not exist yeah what do you mean right like if we if we were saying that um we're looking at all of these impressionist schools and we're just going to judge them each on the individual artist let's say Mm -hmm. right and if they were japanese they were indian they were um uh they were a black south african Mm-hmm. We wouldn't. And I think, you know, you don't I don't know about impressionism, but certainly modernism, you do see that in Africa and in India. Mm-hmm. But when you see practitioners of that, you usually hear them being described as a black artist trying modernism, yeah. whereas, yeah. you know, all the American modernists, maybe they were seeing things from Europe, but they were adapting it. Yeah. It's, well, like it's, a double it's standard. that proximity to whiteness again that happens. Um right. In terms of how and it's that white that to... means the West exists. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like to not use the term is mm-hmm. not gonna help it's I think being honest that it is a difficult term. 
Yeah. It is one, but it is still one that is pervasive. It goes back to Franco Reedy's shoes. Absolutely. Yeah. The export, American exports have created a pervasive McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That is like a pervasive concept of the West, mm-hmm. even if, you know, even if like you're, you know, and I think that the thing that is hard is, I think part of it is that the West has that geograph. the term itself has a geography in it. It does. You know, the, but the West isn't the only one that ex- exports culture. I mean, look at Japan. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I mean, agree. I mean, not just, not just, you know. Um, but like Honda, Toyota. Yeah, no, I think um, you're Nintendo. right. Nintendo. No, and think it's, but it's so it's it's not just about whiteness. I think it's about it's like our global age and cultures. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally mean, agree. Because think about it. Okay, American Impressionism is also sort of goes hand in hand with like Victorian era. Even though we were in the United States, we were still had like Victorian houses right they mm-hmm. yeah I they think still that's categorize right. that time and period even in like france as victorian mm. yeah i mean i mean so it's like it's like this overlapping of culture or yeah i mean you, there's a really wonderful photograph victorian era photograph of the emperor of japan and his mm-hmm. wife and the empress i would guess what you call her and um um and Stu, right <laughs> She was not named Sue. And you see them in Japanese dress and then you see them in Western dress, but they're mm-hmm. dressed in like Victorians in the Western dress, mm-hmm. which you're right. I mean, I think that, and I, but I think that the thing about the West is, you know, that the kind of the culture that we created as it, um, as it got exported, it's interesting how in some ways it got distilled. Yeah. So like the ideas of, you know, I was, I was, you know, sometimes we'll read an article about something. And there was an article I was reading about, um, uh, I love the the staff of the Smithsonian. There's a couple of really wonderful people there that I love. And I always try to mm-hmm. read the Smithsonian articles when they come on my feed. And there was one that one of the people from the staff had recommended, and it was about steamships, which are, you know, a very American, the paddle, bo- you know, paddle ships are very mm-hmm. American. But then they were talking about, um, you know, like Vanderbilts and how the Vanderbilts were picking up certain kinds of cultural norms. Yeah. You know, they were talking about like, you know, like dressing for races and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that comes, you know, like, you know, you see people dressing for races basically to the point of almost joust, right? They were dressing yeah. for a joust. Yeah. And so, so there are things that were exported from the West. And I think the thing that people get got very angry with you is that they didn't <laughs> want to engage with the fact that the West is still a concept that persists. By not saying it, it doesn't disappear. Yeah. And I think it's, and I think that idea of distilled is is really pervasive in Australia. And I've said this many times in my life, but Australia has an extraordinary and bizarre obsession with like death. (laughs) And well, you see, so you see it. Oh, you see it reflected in our jovial, unofficial national anthem, which is "Waltzing Matilda," which is a poem from, I believe, it's like, ah, oh, shit. I used to remember the year. Let's look it up. So the Pogues did the, a cover of that song, and it's about, isn't it about after World War One? Eighteen ninety-five. Oh. Eighteen. It's from quite early in Australia's history, and it's so when you really look at it, when you really, really look at what the lyrics are. It's about a white settler. Wait, let me make sure everyone knows this one. <laughs> waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda, <laughs> waltzing Matilda. I don't know the yeah, rest. Yeah, I was yeah. in kindergarten when we learned it. I'm sorry. That's all oh, I know. Oh, man. I mean, it's ingrained in me. In kindergarten was a long time ago. But essentially, it is a story of a white settler on the Australian landscape who is finding it too inhospitable to be able to set up his life, essentially, so he opts to go on to another settler's farm and steal his jumbuck or his sheep. And when he gets caught, mounted police officers come to arrest him. And instead of allowing himself to be taken by the state or like working it out with the farmer, he opts to commit suicide by drowning himself in a, in a billabong, which is like a body of water. I do feel like that is um, that is wow. so emblematic of the, like the struggle 
in Australia yes. between First Peoples people. Is that what yes. I said? First Nations. And First Nations people and also white Australians or you're yeah. European Australians. But I, I also think it's a really, really interesting example of how whiteness would rather cannibalize itself <laughs> than like actually sit down and figure it the fuck out. Because like that's what we see to this day. And I really do think that Australia. But don't you think a- that's partly because of the West? Like, you know, of somebody, it is. you know, one of the things that like if you think about Part of the reason I think that people see um, not so non-Western artists mm-hmm. who then replicate Western norms, but they do it in a way that they still keep some indigeneity, mm-hmm. like Japanese art mm-hmm. that often combines them, is that it's seen as derivative of mm. the West, yeah. right? Um, and I think that it's also because the West has very sh- it has very s- strong strictures. Mm. That um, when you don't, it, it it's like self-policing. An example yeah. of that, I would say, is like working practices. Mm-hmm. I know the U.S. is definitely like has a certain culture of work, but mm-hmm. it's not as if, but all Western societies have some level of that. Yeah, they do. Like, you know, you have to be on time. Being on yeah. time is a classic example when you read about the West that being on time is is one of those things that's um that's like really about whiteness and it's mm. like and when you look at cultures that are that don't have that norm and i can even think of european cultures right mm-hmm. there's european parts of europe and this is why i think global north doesn't work i had mm. a, i have um we yeah, because of- we said that like in the, in the last recording. Why to you does the global north right. not work, so, especially so, in the context of what I said? Yeah, so we I grew up in a part of Cleveland that is um, that was uh, like a resettlement zone for um, Ukrainian mm-hmm. refugees when I was growing up. They they're they've been here so long. They're no, I mean they've been here a couple of generations. But when I was a kid, I grew up in that part of town, and I remember one of the major culture clashes that people had, and like we would have these like there'd be like town hall meetings and stuff in our town um, was that um, they were, they were all trained in the, they were Soviets. They were coming. Mm-hmm. This was during the Soviet union. Mm. So um, because I'm old and um, that we would have these conversations about you their norms are it. different than ours. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, um, <laughs> hey, that's what you get told. But all their the time. norms are different. <laughs> You've got to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Not by him. Um, but, uh, but that they're, don't worry, Joe, you look your time, age. <laughs> I feel it. Um, but I'm that their their sign their senses of time are different than ours. Yeah, and so like their kids would show up for school late, and then we were trying. We'd have all these things about like you have to understand the way that they think of time is different. The way they think totally. of all of these things, and they were all. I mean, like, and we we still you know we we still interact with a lot of people who are Ukrainian, mm. and they're like our age so they're not they might have been young immigrants so they don't they're mm-hmm. more like americanized um a lot of like you know like i don't want to say their names because but you know like you know like who you work with that's like mm. and like they talk about how like it was different yeah the old school was different mm. and um and that that's why i think like russia and china while northern mm-hmm. <laughs> by geographic they're not culturally what we're talking about no i think to me the reason that people and, you know, like, I think, you know, like, like Siesta, the global north, there's also, it's not like the Mediterranean either. We know yeah. what it is. Yeah. Right? We know what it is. Yeah. We know that it is largely the Commonwealth. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, places that also, it's it's like a combination of the Commonwealth and the biggest powerhouses of capitalism mm-hmm. and the Protestant mm-hmm. Reformation. And uh, the problem is that those, that grouping is, a, like, a lot of weird, like, it's a lot of yeah. places, right? Yeah. And so I think that using the word the West, for most people, they understand. They do get what that means on some level. Well, and I, th- I think that's why they got, I think that's why people got so frustrated with me because even if you are not the kind of person who is so violently like in your whiteness, whiteness and, you know, racist ideology that you, you have lost your sense of geography. I think, <laughs> cause that does fucking happen to people. It's really bizarre, but like, I think that there is still an element to like, you know, the kind of white Australian national identity 
that gets really butt hurt when they kind of realize they're in far greater proximity to that kind of thinking than to you know, being the kind of liberal fantasy landscape that Australia sells itself as kind of like Canada did until they couldn't really anymore with all of those hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of graveyards that have now kind of come out from all of those schools. Uh, like, I feel yeah, like Canada's public absolutely. image has kind of shifted. Recently. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, but I think, but I mean, I think like, Exactly. Like I think about, you know, the the thing to me that is probably like a kernel of truth in the Rupert Murdoch thing is that, sorry, Rupert Murdoch's experience is that his 50s Australia was probably what like a sunset town in the US was. A hundred percent. And also 100%. what the home counties were, right? Yeah. The home counties in the in the UK were also yeah. probably the same. Well, I also, I think that this is one of the reasons that like Australians are so obsessed with like notions of death and like a lot of our media kind of off the cuff, like especially like stuff that children consume has really bizarre kind of spooky gothic kind of qualities to it. It's, it's really strange because uh, I think that genocide is so much fucking closer to the surface of like our history. Oh. Is it? So it is genocide, but I also think when I like read things about Australia, mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't romance, romantic novels or like I read, I've written, I've read a couple of his, historical novels. I read like a murder mystery, like I've read, I've read mm -hmm. a lot of different things. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things that comes out very often in white Australian literature that I don't see so much and I haven't read as much from NZ um say it for me what's the name Aotearoa Aotearoa one of these Aotearoa Aotearoa yeah you got it somebody's gonna help me with that someday. <laughs> uh but that I don't see it as much um in their literature is mm. in Australia there's also not just the genocide of people but the fear that, that so many white people have of dying Mm -hmm. in you know like that that like the 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 land is going to kill you was well, geographic the, isolation the trope of the lost child in australian art absolutely fascinates me because it's mm. tell it us more kind of i was kind of well it was what during it the is. australian impressionist era um and essentially it was this kind of depiction of uh, it is some of it was based off of a true story there was a little girl who got lost in the bush and ended up surviving, but she was out there for like, I think about a week. But there was kind of after that story and after that happening, of course, to like a fair haired blonde little girl ravaged by the landscape, there kind of became this like white cultural anxiety that manifested in the art that was made mm -hmm. at the time, which was this art. like, yeah, you do. And you see it in this idea of the landscape being inhospitable kind of larger than uh, like like white people's ability to exist, which I think is absolutely mm -hmm. fascinating. And that's one of the things mm -hmm. that I want to come back to because I think that that is something that contemporary Australians, I think that's what upset them in what I was talking about because people are so divorced from the history and the power of Australia, which is that we have over 60,000 years of human history that we could be drawing upon right now in order to figure out the fucking future. And we don't. It's sort of crazy, your, your thing you were talking about, the land. Tell it's us about like powerful. the weed and the yams and the like the stamping yes. of the so, ground by the sheep. Yes. So essentially, colonial settlement in Australia destroyed uh, First Nations farming practices, which was that... Australian soil used to be less compacted and it was much kind of fluffier and lighter. And this is kind of, I suppose, indicative for a lot of both the East and the West Coast, but also through the centre of Australia. A lot of Indigenous practice was kind of yam farming and very organised uh, agricultural practices that essentially had, you know, communities in the ability to have farming as a very small percentage of what they were doing. So mm -hmm. when white people mm -hmm. landed on Australian soil, they were kind of like, these people are so fucking lazy. They don't, they don't do any farming. 
you know, how could this possibly be? All they do is socialize and hang out with their friends. I mean, that is, that's back to work. We were talking about the concept of the West, right? Like yeah. you're going to do it a certain way. I yeah. think for me, like the thing I think about when I think about the lost child is I also think about the culture of like memento mori. Yes. You know, like the, oh Australians, God, yes. the Australians aren't the only ones who are pretty morose, right? That there I is, know. there is a culture in Protestant nations of yeah. art being a certain way yeah not just protestant i mean if you're thinking about art yeah. and death i mean but in like the if you think of like italy and oh yeah i mean spain for well, sure no come on i mean if you you're think right. about in, different... the, in catholic countries they do you're right you're they right. do things in the catacombs where they take the bones right. and they right. create he's right know, Let designs me the whole or... internet he is right I it's just, just they have like... a very different relationship to death and not everyone's yeah. spooked by <laughs> bodies no 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 of course not right but i think that the difference is in you know when you look at art in like italy and spain it's always a it's often with a passion right it's often mm -hmm. religious mm -hmm. the memento mori of protestant nations is often it's like morality it's about morality yeah that's Vanity. what i was going to say and so totally. like the lost child in australian art often has sort of a moral element to it too like yeah. they've been accidentally wronged or fate fatalism yeah. Fatalism. <laughs> totally. Right? No, totally. When in reality, like these were people who came to a country that they had absolutely no right or claim to and destroyed the, the wheat belt that lived across the center of Australia. And that's something that I didn't learn until I was far, far, far out of my schooling education, because it's really only information that has been like academically verified uh, in the last few years, right? Because there was right. a, a book published by Bruce Pascoe where he kind of brought in an extraordinary number of First Nations elders, people who are, you know, scientists working in like recovering like old seeds uh, that they've found mm -hmm. in like fossilized spaces and just like everyone possible related and essentially have reconstructed this understanding of Australia's history that hasn't that hasn't really existed for us before there's a version of this book for children as well because That's there awesome. is clearly and this is what I discovered in the comment section of that video as well I think one of the best comments I got was from a young teacher who said I'm I'm a teacher working in Australia and this is something that like our curriculum clearly is trying to address but has absolutely no tools kind of how to do hmm. and I think that you know my sister brought it up in our last episode, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the idea of Great stops. episode. I know. But like, stop teaching kids French and German. Mm -hmm. Teach them Mandarin, like Indonesian, or and then like Spanish, like stuff that's going to be useful. I know. I want my girls to learn Spanish. What's, what what use is French here? What is I know. But also <laughs> like for Australia, like considering where it's located, people like mm -hmm. we should be teaching kids parts of their education that mm -hmm give them an understanding of where they are geographically <laughs> well and that's where i think like visual culture is is another is another challenge right yeah. because the visual culture norms you know i think one thing i think about when you know i think about like the stories of australia and these towns that sprung up in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and um it was quite literally called no man's land by the way white people came and titled it no man's land or terra nullius and there are, you know, I mean, like hundreds of nations or yeah. groups that were that are living there still um, and that had been there when they showed up. Mm -hmm. So but that's not that is similar. And I think this is where I think people's like you can't let go of the West. The yeah. idea of colonization is the perhaps most pervasive concept of the West. Yeah. And as we hold land, I sit on land that is eerie and Mississauga, mm -hmm. I am I am a, an object of the West. Yeah. What? <laughs> sure. But we are. We sit on <laughs> land that is not ours. It is native <laughs> land. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. You know, go ahead. That's no, why you're I... on the podcast, Mr. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm the token white guy. Look, no, we've yeah. we've got Joe's corner here. It's on the list every I feel every like, week. I feel like space. I should be sitting in like Archie Bunker's chair. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw All in the Family. No, in Australia, but I suspect uh, Australia was a lot like All in the Family. Um, I bet. No, I, I. It's an old racist from the '60s. 70s? No, it was like the '70s. 70s. It had um, Rob Reiner was Meathead, and um, certain mm. Carol Connor played Archie. Mm -hmm. um, 
the Jeffersons came out of it. It it was Maud came out of it. It was a great oh. series. It was so it was basically like there was like these younger people. Actually, this is a this is I think really germane to this. It was basically the idea. It was as if the people who would have watched Fox had still access to um you know journalism that was balanced and mm-hmm. then in their house their children were changing it was supposed to be a, a his, fact that the 70s wife. was a moment that people were changing and not only was his children changing but his wife was gaining more um autonomy or wanting agency agency agencies and yeah you know, like his neighbors he he's in queens and his neighbors who move in one are catholics and the other are african-american and um and then like and it's just and it was it was done as like a farce but both sides of the coin could watch it and pull something out of it and it was really a classic show mm-hmm. i don't know i mean land is i don't even, i really don't know how to address that to be honest i, I feel mean, like sometimes i feel it's a little too quaint to say oh we're on this like unseated land yeah partly okay we can say the eerie were here first yeah. But then the Iroquois came and killed them all so that they could corner the beaver wars. But wait, so you're like, it, it isn't that simple. And within None. native populations, they were fighting over land right. and pushing people I... out. And they were doing it for gain for uh, and power. So it's not really that much different. Yeah, except, but I... no, no. But it is. I'm sorry, but it's people have been fighting over land. Maybe we should, you know, address these issues, yes. but it's not so unique just to Western people. No, no of I course it's not. Saying. But I what I think is interesting about Australia's history is that if you look at some of the maps that have come out of uh, language groups and kind of communities of people that lived in Australia throughout the years, you know, we're talking about 60,000 60, years plus, it's like over 300 uh, at least, and you can kind of see how all of these pockets of people sort of lived next to each other for mm-hmm. a really, really long time. And it's a form of governance that I think that we really, really need to start paying attention to because, and I think what's really interesting about talking about land acknowledgements as well is that that has been an extraordinary part of First Nations people like having a voice in Australian culture. Mm. But what I'm noticing now that America has picked up on land acknowledgements is that that concept doesn't really do anything anymore. And I think that's what you're saying, right? Like it's not helpful, right? It, it flattens it. It's true. Because in Australia, we we don't still have a First Nations voice in parliament properly. Like we yeah. don't have mm-hmm. any kind of representation mm-hmm. that fucking means anything. Like we don't have a treaty. No, that's right. That's right. We're doing really badly, really, really, really badly. And we're failing. Though I want to go back to your your comments, okay. um, but I think that there is a there's a palpable difference in the West and colonization in the West and what mm-hmm. you were talking about. Yes, the like where we happen to live in Cleveland on the East Side was not populated before mm-hmm. the settlers came because mm-hmm. it was it was like the that had been it had been depopulated through war, but the Iroquois. Well, yes, they did. They they certainly did impact tribes, and I sure. I don't mean that. And I'm but, not beating up on the Iroquois. I'm just stating but, that but, it's just that. Never. Go no, on. I I want to. I mean, we should. This is why a podcast exists, right? We discuss these mm-hmm. things. But for me, that and I think you also have acknowledged because we've worked. You've we used to work together, but that that there is a, a certainly a bigger. There's a difference between the Iroquois. Um, and how they impacted the Erie, which was a small yeah. thing, and the West, yeah. and how they decimated population. Yeah. No, and, and it's and it's. I guess I just feel like it's just it's like virtue broadcasting yes. when we do yeah. land acknowledgement. Land acknowledgement because it's of course like art museums who we all know have stolen from most cultures, yeah. and then they're like, oh, but we want to thank, <laughs> and we only mean this in in the way that will not impact our bottom line. Totally, and it's like what I mean. I think it's important because if it says that. Native people are who are they're no longer invisible, right? They didn't go anywhere. They're still mm. here. Mm-hmm. They're still part of the United States or either even outside of the United States in their own um, like nation. Yeah. But 
or they choose to be part of the United States. Um, but we should, you know, we should. And I think it's kind of a matter of um, that it, it's like almost an ethical consideration that we should learn about the people that yeah. are here first. And or not just, we're, I mean, I find it fascinating to think of all these other lives and people were here, but it's also important to realize that they didn't go away. They live here. Yeah. And, so in some, and in some times there it's under, uh, you know, poverty. Mm-hmm. But see, this is so, a good example of the West to bring us back. You and Sophie are my wards in this, so I have to keep us back on top. All right, but well, you have to keep us. I know it is. It's startling that that is my role in this podcast, but it is. But I think that you know what he's bringing up is this sort of. I do think that like land acknowledgments are a great example of even the pervasive force of the West. That this idea that like okay, we're we're going to be okay with you as long as you work where we want you to be well also i think that the like the meaning of land acknowledgements has fundamentally changed from when especially like in australian culture when they first began like it was it was something that was like a very honest and necessary request from oppressed communities and then i think it's just a, a an extraordinary example of how like you know, white liberalism absolutely fucking destroys any kind of movement that could have impact. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing about the West, that the concept is so it's it it is still a force that exists in our society. Mm-hmm. And like land acknowledgments, the fact that it's all over in every museum and most museums could give an F about people of color. Totally. Is clearly uh, a sign that really the West remains a pervasive, you know, like mm-hmm. the colonialism of museums, right? That they'll Absolutely. take an artist like Billy Zangawa because sh- this is what's popular right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think she's a wonderful artist. There's really nothing against her, but it's no. that she is what has been deemed. And then there's somebody else who's maybe working in South Africa, too, who isn't who isn't being seen by mm-hmm. the Western mm. culture. And I do think like part of the thing for me about the the West, the concept of the West, it's particularly powerful in in art because the global art world is is still really controlled by people who Absolutely. are white. By the money. By the money. Mm-hmm. By the money. So what would be an example of a museum that is not colonial? I don't know if they exist. No, the concept of museum is colonial. I mean, is it colonial? But is it really colonial or is it like like out of the enlightenment and the idea of like encyclopedic knowledge? And this is where I think that's why the West, I think the idea of the West encapsulates a lot of big concepts that are like kind of connected. I wish they had like a whiteboard or something, but it's the west sort of encapsulates enlightenment capitalism mm-hmm. um uh what else masculinity masculinity patriarchy mm-hmm. and colonialism i think it's mm. like all of those things kind of come together um mm. like you know i think that and and you know so when you're saying you know is there a museum that isn't i would say something like and i've read this but i don't i have never been there but in Mm. parts of australia and i like in the bush there are um uh first nations people who have art that is not a commodity that it's actually just experience and so that would be i would say a museum that is not is it a museum is it in a i think a sharing of sharing of art yeah i've told you though that like first nations art, like going onto canvas was like a conscious Right. It was like a conscious cultural choice. Right. Um, it was like something that was discussed like by a lot of elders um, and it was for the preservation of culture um, mm-hmm. in the face of like what the West was doing to cultural art, which mm-hmm. was kind of, t- you know, taking things out of space. I actually think graffiti. Sorry. I think graffiti is, I think graffiti, like I was thinking because you were saying We've been talking mm-hmm. about first people, first nations art and how mm-hmm. before the canvas, it ha- was on surfaces, right? Like it was existing and it was basically atmosphere, environmental, yeah. I should say. And so, but in some ways, graffiti is is in some ways closer to what pre-museum art might have been, right? Yeah, in many ways, totally. There's an extraordinary kind of amount of adaptation that people and cultures and communities have had to do in order to have 
culture be preserved in the wake of like how museums and institutions function and not just kind of like you know in the ways that we kind of normally talk about museums and that they kind of snatch everything but in the way that like there are ways that people have had to adapt how their own cultures are seen so that they have validity in the wake of like things like contemporary art and like, well, and contemporary we, art to value. me is one of the most clear examples of mm -hmm. the fact that the West is still pervasive. Um, you know, I mean, when we were when I was working on one of my last shows that I curated, I mm -hmm. I think I showed I showed you I've I I had Australian artists on the list, I had South African artists on the list, mm -hmm. I had, um, artists from like the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and I I tell you if I did a game where I said okay where's this artist from mm -hmm. they probably all say America because yeah. they were all really western contemporary artists they were doing conceptual work yeah right I mean there yeah. is like a there's sort of like a lingua franca slash uh conformity that happens in contemporary art yes and no I Go mean ahead. it but it's only who is Yes, I suppose, but it's kind of like academia, right? These are the new acad mm. cadet, whatever, you know, like academicians. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, like when art school, we were taught how that was all bad, and you know, we weren't going to be like that, and except everybody learns to be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's just the new academy, and it's yeah. always going, and it's kind of again, it's a myth about modern or contemporary art that there's always has to be a new. And that we're always at uh, war with the uh, the past. And we Which I think tear is bizarre since we've accepted that like cinema hasn't been new since the 70s and we're all fine with that. Like, Oh my God, I'm so sick of like these um, <laughs> these Hollywood where they just keep making the same oh, bad so like superhero bored. movie. It's just, it's horrible. And it's this is the kind awful. of stuff that we're, I mean, it would be one thing to say the cultural um, hegemony if we were actually producing really good stuff. No, I know. No, or, or, it's it, it, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Is there a possibility of a masterpiece anymore? And I was, oh. and I've been thinking this in terms oh. of cinema, That's because depressing. so many. I love how I just really struck a nerve. That was great. I knew yeah, that was going to land been well. Thinking about it. <laughs> this is so depressing. There's no possibility of a masterpiece. Well, the just, West it's... has. This is the. Everything's no. going to be the tagline. The it's West so has Oroboros. ruined the masterpiece. But no, but it's because. In the West, it's multi-layered, and not every, there's not every in, there's multiple narratives going on. Yeah, and so part of this is that people, it's attacking its own itself too, right? I mean, it's like people that are either going to be cultural critics or people who are going to go in a different direction, mm -hmm. or who are not going to, you know. Um, so to keep us back on track because we're running out of time, but I think that the uh, the West attacking it itself is a great segue to the beginning of this episode. Mm. So your whole video um, was about this Australia that doesn't exist anymore, right? This yeah. Australia that was ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent white. Yeah, and that Australia doesn't exist anymore. And I think that the fact, one of the things that is to go back to the very beginning, all these people who were upset because you were even just striking a nerve, part of the nerve that's been struck ever, like for the last few years in popular culture and in, in, in art in some ways, mm. is this idea that these people who once had privileges no longer have them. And it is this feeling like we're getting, the West is getting like ripped apart right like there's a group of people and I hear it like I read it when I see like commentary about art sometimes mm. oh well I would have done a lot better if I wasn't a white man people don't want any white men anymore you know and I think that I also think it's like kind of interesting how um like and I think another form of this like self-cannibalization that you I see you. <sighs> it's almost done I think a lot of like the evidence of that like self-cannibalization that you see is like obviously in the Republican Party. But... I just can't quit you. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, but also in the way uh, that like, you know, these people are so willing to remove the way that like even their own voter bases communicate on platforms like TikTok rather than like, you know, subside and hand over any kind of land, money, space or power like we're seeing it like live from yeah, New York. No, you're right. But that's also because, I and mean, I think this is where we're having 
um, where we're having this, like the same thing is happening in like a lot of these places that are in what was the West, mm. there is like a reckoning happening, which only proves that the West exists more. I know. So um, we have been shitty chatting and I know that <laughs> we're going to have to end. We always end these episodes with media recommendations. Yes. Um, and I'm going to start with mine, mm -hmm. which is that I really enjoyed a book by Moore or Muir Lafferty called Station Eternity, which was about people mm -hmm. who have humans who are taken up to a spaceship or space station mm -hmm. and um then they um live and one of the things i think is really useful is that whenever we talk about media that shows the future or space it often replicates the west every time it, you know and it, it actually is like almost like this fantasy of colonialism where they created these outposts of their culture yeah. now this book is really great and it like shows it the cultures awesome. of other of other society other aliens mm -hmm. but they're also sitting down and drinking coffee yeah and so it shows that we in our our, our brains are even sort of sort of simulating the west and these kinds of things still which is why i think it's a pervasive concept do you, have a, you don't have to do media rep but you have one yeah okay strangely enough. you read books Ooh. So, so and I haven't finished, I have not finished, I've only started, but it's uh, called uh, The Adriatic by Robert Kaplan, and it's a travelogue. Oh. And in it, his point is that Europe and the East, West and East, or whatever, is uh, actually very permeable, that there was really no hard, fast border between. And that only time that there was, was during, after World War II, when with dictators in the Middle East keeping their population at home, not having the right to travel, and the United States basically funding all the defense against the Soviet Union, Western Europe was free to kind of create this ideal society where they had a lot of social benefits. But now with the fall of the, of, um, the Soviet Union, the Arab Spring, you see the mass migrations of uh, people coming from North Africa, Libya, mm -hmm. Syria, his point is that it probably would be sa safe to say that the sub-Saharan, like the Sahara, like the mountains, mm -hmm. are or the true border of Europe. That in its past, it's always been influenced, or it goes both ways, but it's always been influenced by the East. And his point would be, uh, right now he's in Ravenna, which it was um, a Byzantine uh, city in Italy, and um, it was. So the West is more. We have to. Yes, move I'm on. sorry. The West on. is more conceptual, yes. but it is actually a false concept, which I think is awesome. But I Sophie, think, do you I think have it's a recommendation? That you bring up permeable, permeable borders because that's just like exactly where we landed. That was our last, last week. Episode. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I gotta go. Goodbye. Thanks for playing. <laughs> but we came full circle. We did. Um, we did. And for me, I suppose I've got. I feel like I've recommended this before, but I think it's very important for. Uh, this episode especially, which is that I would like to recommend my friend Joel's uh, PhD publication, My People's Song, uh, which is a retelling of Australia's history through his family and his First Nations that. ancestry from the perspective of three different women, basically. So, Including the first First Nations person to be photographed? I believe uh, one of his, like, I think it's like his great, great, great grandmother. Um, I have a very poor perception of time. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, but yeah, she was uh, one of the first uh, Indigenous women to be photographed uh, in Australia. One of the first First Nations uh, women to be, I think it was in Tasmania especially, uh, where there was a huge practice of photography because that's where a lot mm. of people were sailing and from so that's right that's uh, right well that's yeah. a great recommendation and yes. so Pertinent i have to always. say this was a fun and wild Ooh, episode thinking about the west i know um you can I, listen I really to appreciate all of our uh your insight on this one because me too it was a it was a big uh it was a big kind of thing to kind of i think launch into mm -hmm. the australian cultural psyche because uh, someone has to do it <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've taken it upon myself, but 
I really appreciate having uh, a non-Australian to think out the West with you. Yeah. <laughs> and also just like, you know, not everyone is like willing to sit down and kind of really look into these things mm-hmm. um, with a really mm-hmm. critical, critical lens. Um, and it's one of my favorite things to do, especially through art. So Me too. And I think that this was a perfect topic to kind of go through a lot of different like snippets of art, but like how art interweaves our real lives. Totally. And how it, it shapes our understanding of like our cultural identity as well, which is like Australia is <laughs> such a good example of that. Like it's like we it's like whiteness there like spoon feeds its own narrative to itself. It's incredible. It's like this. It's like. Ugh. If only they knew that this is all a, cul- a myth a, of the West. It's a beautiful little cul-de-sac of whiteness. It's a myth of the West. <laughs> they just have to listen to our episode. But I can tell you that you can listen to hate me any right now, episode you want ever again. <laughs> you could listen to all the episodes if you followed us yes. at Artlust Podcast and or on any place where we stream podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Remember- yeah, that's the big one, gang. You can review us. You can also add to our Patreon because that's what mm-hmm. keeps us making these episodes mm-hmm. every week. That's what keeps our Zoom subscription live. That's what keeps me yes, in the editing chair. This is how we make these. That's what brings us, like, you know, bringing in extra people. And also, like, stay tuned because we're going to be releasing video content pretty we soon. We are. We are. Put on lipstick for video content. <laughs> and you can email us at artlustpodcast yes. at gmail.com with suggestions, sponsorship mm-hmm. offers, or just to email because we email back. We do. Well, um, actually, we haven't replied to the last two, but we really should. Oh, I haven't seen them. I will reply to you. I'm we sure will. I will. We will. We've been um, having a big time uh, in our personal lives family. recently, gang. We've had some family yeah, stuff. But yeah. we're back. We're back. We're back. We're here. We're committed. I'm ready to see this grow into something I think that we know that it could be. It could be. It could be amazing. And we've known okay. for a long time. Follow me. I'm Seema That's at Artlust. A R T L U S T. And you can follow me, Sophie, the Australian one, at Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck at Darkroom Varmint. V A R M I N T. Just in case you missed the spelling, because it is. I just have to choose difficult, obscure names because of who I am as a person. But. Thanks for sticking with us, and especially if this topic was uncomfortable for you and you stuck it out, I'm proud of you because that's the first step in unpacking your whiteness because if you feel uncomfortable, I'm sure you're white. (laughs) What a great way to end. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, mate. That was much better. We did it. Okay, bye, Lyme. I thought it was better. It was definitely better. I was all switched on. I thought it was way better.